Thank you very much, Cadence. Church of the Warm Heart, good morning. Great to have you on this uh, beautiful Sunday morning. My name is Michael Beneshek, one of the Warm Heart pastors here. It is good to have each and every one of you with us today. If you are joining us online, we've got a Warm Heart nation out there. We've got people watching coast to coast today uh, and everywhere in between. So welcome to you. We pray that you find a blessing in today's service. Just a few announcements. If you're looking around and going, where's, where's the rest of our youth? We've got some youth here, but where's the rest of them? Uh, keep our youth and their leaders in your prayers. They're on a weekend retreat up in McCall this weekend. Uh, celebrating uh, last Sunday was Youth Sunday. Thank you to, to everyone who supported the youth in that endeavor. But to, uh, to them on the retreat, we pray safe travels, Godspeed, and just enjoy the snow up there. This Wednesday is the first Wednesday of Lent. Our Ash Wednesday service is that night, 7 p.m. here in the sanctuary. Our Lenten study is a, will follow the, the next Wednesday. Find Pastor Jen to get the book, uh, Reckless Love, uh, but that'll be, that'll be a six-week study. But uh, we hope that you join us this Wednesday night for Ash Wednesday. Uh, we had a coffee hour right between the services, and it might be a misnomer. 
Uh, it wasn't so much an hour, but there was coffee. Uh, the trustees are showing off some of their work. We're in the middle of a uh, construction phase next door in the Family Life Center, uh, redoing a lot of the walls, kind of an update. Uh, there's going to be sound and uh, projection and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we hadn't planned on coffee hour, but they wanted to showcase some of their stuff. After the service, if the doors are open, if you want to sneak on over and take a look at the construction and progress. Uh, the, I think the drywall is all done. I think the paint starts tomorrow. That's all the announcements I have for us today. Uh, let's take a few moments, greet those around us in Christian love, and then remain standing for the opening songs.
Thank you, worship team, and a couple new instrumentalists today. God bless. Uh, this is the time and time worship for our kids to come on up. So we invite fifth grade and below to come on down. Ooh. Good morning. Good morning. Keep going, you all right, just playing a little catch here. Playing a little catch. Ready? Little kid. You think I can make it back there? Awesome. There's one more. I think I got one more to go. Are you ready? I didn't get I want to roll. And roll it back. I didn't get one. You didn't get a turn? I'll give you a turn. Ready? Ah, almost. Woohoo! Good job. So there I was. I was playing catch with my best friend in high school. It was a baseball. Not a tennis ball, but I couldn't find a baseball this morning in our garage. So I'm using a tennis ball. And we were throwing it back and forth. We lived in a small town. We were playing catch on the road because we didn't have yards that big uh, for what we were doing. And we were just throwing on the gravel road. And it was right next to Grandma's house. And I threw the ball somewhere in the middle of the play, and it went over his head, which is weird because he's six foot five. I was really off in my throw. And it went over, and it hit 
my grandma's neighbor's car right in the brake light. You know, in the back, you know, you have those red lights and it smashed the plastic. And do you know what I wanted to do? Take a guess. Run away. That's right, run away. And my friend Brian's like, let's get out of here. Because no one saw it. But I felt bad a little bit. That guilt thing, that the, those morals get in the way of your screwing around time. Uh, so <laughs> I went over to the car and I picked up the ball. And as I picked it up, like, I got to go say sorry to, to Mrs. Eilers. And that's when Mrs. Eilers opened up the car door. She was in the car. And she, I scared her half to death when it hit her car. But she looked around and she was going to watch how this all played out. And I'm happy I went over and said, Mrs. Eilers, I'm sorry I hit your car. What, what does it take to fix it? And in my head, I'm scared because I, I only made $2 an hour at that time. Well, three thirty-five an hour. Some of you remember those days. Uh, and I didn't know how much this, I was thinking $500. I don't know what it costs because I was a kid. Uh, but she said, don't worry about it. And thanks for coming over. What do you remember? It did. It right. It was a perfect shot. I couldn't do it again if I yeah, wanted to try. I have been playing with those kind of balls. With yeah. And I am so happy I went over to say I'm sorry. Not because she was there, but because I would have freaked out all night and all the next day and all the next day. And I would have felt bad for a long time. But it's amazing how the words I'm sorry can fix relationships. Between friends, between mom and dad. Sometimes we kids don't say enough. Sometimes parents don't say it enough. It's true too. Sometimes I don't say it enough to my spouse. Sometimes I don't say it enough to my staff. But it heals relationships. It's amazing that the words, I'm sorry, can, can fix a lot, of, a lot of problems that we make in life. And I'm thankful that Jesus is here. Because with Jesus, we can say, I'm sorry. And we could become, once again, uh, in a great relationship with God. So that's pretty cool. No one's perfect. Not even your pastor. Sometimes we break things, and sometimes we got to say, I'm sorry. And then I feel a whole lot better. Let's pray. God above, we give thanks for these little ones. And we just pray that you be with them as they grow in, in godliness, as they grow in character, and as they grow in love. For those times that we need to say, I love you, and I'm sorry, we know that you were with us, and that you make all things right. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for coming down. I think some are off to Sunday school. But we have a joy today that we have some folk who are going to join our congregation, and I invite them to come on up at this time. I think I got one over there. One's walking out. I don't know if she's coming back or not, but we'll, we'll get you. <laughs> Good to see Alexander. Do you like to go by Alex or Alexander? 
Alex. We'll go with Alex. Today we celebrate our unity in the body of Christ, widening the table through the joyful welcome of new members, affirming our faith together. I'm going to introduce uh, one person up here today. Uh, we had a few members join at the first service, but this is Alex Scarangella. Is that how you say the last name? Scarangella. Thank you. Uh, born in New York. Is that right? Yeah. All right. Baptized at the Most Holy Trinity Church in New York. Is an engineer over at Jacobs. They've been attending for a while now. Uh, he and his wife, Sarah. Uh, they'll celebrate their 10th anniversary this year. That's pretty cool. Uh, Sarah, who walked out with the kids, uh, she's the most local of everyone who's joined today. We had quite a few people joined this morning at, uh, at, at the first service. Uh, she was born down the road in Caldwell, member of the Payette United Methodist Church. Uh, she's a hairstylist, also likes horse riding, hiking, camping, and crafts. And they got three kids and I know our youth and our children's minister and everyone else knows their names, but I can't remember right now. They are James Connor and Lily. James Connor and Lily. Wonderful. Uh, everyone say hi, Alex. And do and do your best. See if she can hear us. Can you yell? Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Okay. I don't know if Lisa's trying to get her or not. But in your baptism, you were marked as members of, of, of Christ's holy church. And we welcome you today into this congregation. We believe that the Holy Spirit has called you here at this time, not only for your own good, but for the good of us. You have a lot that you could teach us as well. I do have two questions for you today. As members of Christ's universal church, will you be loyal to the United Methodist Church and do all in your power to strengthen its ministries? And on behalf of you and Sarah, could you please say, we will? We will. All right. And as a member of this congregation, will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness. If so, please say, we will. We will. Thank you. Members of the household of God, I commend this family to your, uh, to your love and to your care. And here comes Sarah. Come on down. Everyone say, hi, Sarah. We just told about your life story, everything about you. Uh, <laughs> we're glad that you're here. Uh, yeah, I, t- I told them, of all the people who joined today, you're the, you're the one most local, born in Bolden, right up road in Caldwell. Is that right? You're you're born in Payette. Awesome. Cool beans. Everyone else is out of state. So God bless you. Uh, I commend these people to your love and care. And I think we have a response back to them and it's up on the screen. Please read with me. We give thanks for all that God has already given you. And we welcome you in Christian love as members together with you in the body of Christ and in this congregation of the United Methodist Church, we renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. I believe Pastor Jen has certificates of, of membership for you. Please welcome them to our congregation. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, sir. You're awesome. Let us come together in an attitude of prayer. Friends, if you have any prayer requests or concerns that you would like to share aloud with your neighbor this morning, please feel free to share that aloud. 
And then I will lead us in a pastoral prayer, which will go into the Lord's Prayer, and the words will be on the screen. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we gather together to worship you. We seek restoration and renewal and to walk in your light. We confess that we have not always loved the way you you call us to love and that often we miss the mark. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit fill the space And breathe on us a new life as we gather together to praise you. May we experience your presence like a gentle breeze that will will create in us a new heart that moves us towards compassion and kindness. Help us to create a more loving world for all people on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom is here and now. So Lord, we ask that you light in us a fire that radiates your warmth and light. May it illuminate a spirit of truth. Use us, Lord. Mold us. Shape us and transform us to be more Christ-like. Gracious and loving God, we, we gather together to pray as Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our next hymn, it's an old one, uh, but I think we got it a little, little, little kick it up as well with some uh, other lyrics. If you're able and willing, let's stand and sing, I need thee every hour.
Hymns are born out of great uh, uh, trials and tribulation. Some are born out of great joy and happiness. This particular hymn, written 120, 30 years ago, was written when a woman was doing laundry. <laughs> and the words came to her, and she goes, I, I need him at my good times, I need him at my bad times, and I need God every day in between. Please be seated. Good morning. My name is Linda Murphy, and I'm going to share the scriptures with you today. 1 John 1, 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. God bless the reading of this word. Thank you, Linda. So this is the last sermon in a series that we began back in January, beginning of January, called Sermons from the Gallery. You might remember back in December, we, we asked the congregation, what are some themes or topics that you would like us to address between now and, and the beginning of Lent? So we turn it into a, a seven-week series. Uh, next week, we start a sermon series called Crosswords, uh, the words of Jesus up on the cross. He had about seven famous sayings, and we're going to take each one in turn during the season of Lent. But today's the last one for questions that we got from all of you. So late last year, Someone asked Pastor Mike, why do Methodists don't do confession? Confession. And I thought, that's a great question. And I don't know if it's going to be a good sermon or not, but we're going to try it today. Thousands of years ago, our human ancestors began to dabble in religious behaviors. Whether it was asking for rain to come to help the crops or protection from enemies, a sacrifice of thanksgiving, the human race has always tried to ask God or the gods for something, to find favor, to, to be at one with. And through countless generations, the idea that God requires from us some form of repentance or duty, confession, reconciliation, is filtered down into many of our, 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 our world religions today. Now here in the, in the you know, in the, Christian faith, we kind of think of confession, we think of Roman Catholicism, right? You go into the box and confess every sin you've committed since the last time you were in that little box, and then out you go free as a bird. It's not quite like that. I'll explain some of that soon, but, but by and large, Protestants don't do a whole lot with it. Protestants, people who aren't Catholic. Uh, and we don't do it because, frankly, if some of us think it's too Catholic. 
after, after the first service, uh, uh, after this, uh, you know, I, I greet people on the way out, and I could tell uh, some of the, uh, the, the people who really came up and said, good sermon, good sermon, are former Catholics and Lutherans, who uh, just confession is, was a part of the, uh, of the deal, right? And you're supposed to feel this big about yourself and you're, how horrible people we are, and we don't do that, right, in the Methodist church. But I also believe that we miss out on a spiritual blessing if we just ignore it altogether. Matter of fact, we might miss out on a little bit of heaven if we don't seek the forgiveness that is freely given if we but ask. In Buddhism, confession to a superior is an important part of the religious life of the devout. Monks confess biweekly. In Islam, Confession is one of the five pillars and is part of the prayers given every day to Allah. In Judaism, uh, they blow the ram's horn. The sins of the people are absolved at Yom Kippur, the day of atonement. Confessions are given and forgiveness is sealed. And like I said, we think of the Catholics in confession. Before you could take the Lord's Supper, you need a clean heart. Confession comes before communion for it to be right. It's one of their sacraments. And there's three things that the penitent need to do. Three things that the person needs to do. Uh, First, there's contrition, sorrow that the thing happened. There's disclosure, saying that the thing happened. And satisfaction, trying to fix the thing that happened. And it could be a prayer, prayers, some good deed. It's up to the priest to determine that. In the Eastern Orthodox tradition, confession does not have to be to a priest but just someone else in the congregation still has to be verbal. Uh, We live in the land of uh, Latter-day Saints here, and they require confession to the wronged party. You just can't go to the priest and say, I ran over my neighbor's dog. You actually have to go to that neighbor and say, I'm the one that ran over your dog. Protestants, we take a less formal view. Uh, it's, It's not a sacrament, but something you could do without a priest. You can go directly to God. You don't need me. God bless. In our corporate liturgy, you might find a prayer of confession or in our congregational reading, something asking for forgiveness. We don't do much of it here at the Church of the Warm Heart, but you know, hear it in the Lord's Prayer, right? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. What we're really saying is, Lord, forgive us as much as we forgive those around us. Ooh, that, that, could be a, that could be a sermon right there, right? Lord, forgive us to the same degree that I forgive my spouse. For, I forgive my kids. I forgive my boss. I forgive uh, those who drive on the interstate. Whatever it is. And so today, I must confess to you as your spiritual leader, I've probably done a poor job in teaching about the blessings and the benefits of confession. So maybe this sermon is my penance. One person got it. Yes. All right. In short, the idea of confession makes sense. It makes sense. It's why it's in the major religions and why we've been doing it since the dawn of time. And the reason is this. Every relationship, every single relationship that you have requires some form of mechanism uh, to fix transgressions. Every single one. We're not perfect. 
we make mistakes. And from time to time, we hurt those around us. And for those of us who are married or or with someone, the three most important words that you could say, I love you. And the two most important words that you can say, I'm sorry. Someone at the first service did say, yes, dear. Like, no, 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 no. I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) You're right. Yes, I know. I know. I'm sorry. I love you. I'm sorry. And they probably should be said just as often. I'm sorry is the glue that brings back, that, that fixes the cracks and the, and, the, and the strains in a relationship. It works with parents. It works with spouses. It works with your kids. It's supposed to anyway. Some of you have, maybe have relationships where, where proudness has come in. It's like, I, I'm going to let them say I'm sorry first. And then it, You just never see each other. You've all been there, a strained relationship, some some tension in the air, something's not quite, quite right. But after a heartfelt apology, and if the apology is accepted, a sense of peace and a sense of blessing and a sense of comfort comes back into into the air. The most important two words, I'm sorry. And if you got kids, the most important five words, just shut up and listen. But that's another sermon for another day. All right. But the relationship that we have with God is sometimes strained. And maybe it's just my own guilt that, that comes up. Like, uh, I mess up a lot. I can't believe that I speak for a living. It's not my forte. But here I am. For us to be declared righteous, we go to him We confess our mistakes, our faults, our trials, our temptations. It's not that God's ego is bruised. And he does not want us just to see us squirm and and you all, verily I say unto thee, feel bad about yourself. That's not it. But it's good for us to correct our faults and to admit our transgressions, to get on living the life that he wants us to live. It's not the confession that God wants. It's the relationship. And the confession is just a mechanism of healing relationships. It's not just for Catholics, but for all who want to be in a relationship with God. And it goes hand in hand with forgiveness. If you want to find forgiveness, there's got to be a little confession in there, right? That's what we have in our passage this morning that Linda read. First John. We, we, we have the Gospel of John. That's New Testament. John also wrote, according to tradition, John also wrote three letters we have at the end of the Bible, right at the end, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, they were really uh, original in naming these things. Book of 1 John, written by the cousin of Jesus, uh, and it taught about avoiding heresy and finding salvation. Salvation. The words salvation and salvage go together. Same root. Fixing. Fixing relationships. Finding restoration. Confession and salvation go hand in hand. In preparation for this week's sermon, just for fun, uh, I, I just went to uh, uh, BibleGateway.com. It's my favorite little Bible thing on the computer, uh, internet. I click, 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 and I just typed in the phrase, I have sinned, just to see what would come up. Uh, where, it, where it comes up in Scripture, and it comes up seven times. Seven different ways. And I'm going to hit them all seven here because they're, 
they're each, they each go a little in a different way, in a little bit of different motive, and, and I just want to see ourselves in these cases. So the first time it said, I, I have sinned, I am sorry, uh, comes from Pharaoh. So it shall be written, so it shall be done. Yul Brenner, there, right, Pharaoh. The hardened sinner. This is in the Moses Pharaoh uh, story. Narrative, let my people go part of the story. Uh, one of the plagues, during one of the plagues, the lightning and the hail, lightning and hail, the plagues of Egypt, yada, yada. They're doing the plagues. And finally, Pharaoh's had enough. Calls Moses into his office. Moses, I have sinned against God and, and you and your people. You, you may be free. Moses says, thank you. Goes out, tells everyone we're free to go. They get all their stuff together. The plague stops. The sun comes out. And Pharaoh says, wait a minute. Moses, forget what I told you. You're still slaves. And then we get the plague of locusts, I think, after that. I am sorry just as long as this plague is happening. Does that make sense? It makes sense to me because I've had this prayer before. How many times have I uttered the same confession? Oh God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I am in a pickle. I am in trouble. Oh, I'm out of trouble? Okay, forget that part. <laughs> I'm, we're good. We're good. Never mind. Don't have Pharaoh's confession. Second time I find this phrase, I have sinned. Another Old Testament character, a guy named Balaam. Double-minded man. And you're probably looking at this like, what kind of story is this? Uh, you really got to know your Bible to know this story. Someday I got to do a story on Balaam. Uh, I won't go through it here, but he's, he's being, he, he was the Jonah before there was a Jonah. God told him to go this way. He went that way. And an angel stood before him so he wouldn't go that way. And he beat his donkey several times. Um, but he sees the angel, has this prayer, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you are displeased, I will go back. Angel says, great. Balaam doesn't go back. He keeps going the way he was going. He still did his own thing. Sorry, I messed up, but I'm not sorry enough to change my ways. Does that sound familiar? I'm sorry. I'm more, more like, I'm sorry that this upsets you, that what I'm doing. Uh, mostly I'm sorry that what I'm doing is bothering you. And I have said this to my family too many times. I'm sorry, but not, not too sorry. Not sorry enough to change. I'm sorry with my lips, but not in my actions. Don't have Balaam's confession. Next character that we get, uh, Saul. Saul was the first king of Israel right before David. Uh, I call this one an insincere apology. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, about, he's, he's trying to shish kebab David. That's where he's at in the story. David, he thinks David's going to be king, and that's a good way to get rid of the king. And he's done. Saul didn't follow God's commands, and God rejected him as king. Saul went back to Samuel, the man who anointed him, the prophet who anointed him king. Uh, Samuel was about to go to David to anoint him king. And Saul was a desperate man. He said, Samuel, I have sinned. Forgive my sin. Come back with me that I may worship the Lord. Which honestly, Saul had no intention of doing. He was trying to play nice, saying, I'm sorry, just so he could, can, can still be king. 
If the Lord said, I, I forgive you, but you can't be king, Saul would have said, then what's the point? You're only, Saul's only saying, I'm sorry, just because he wants the goods. Uh, has no, he doesn't care about the relationship, just cares about his power. And how many times have I had the same confession? If I say I'm sorry, can we go back to the way it was? Can we go back to, uh, to my position of power? Got, got people in other churches. I, I, I see this in domestic violence. Smack, smack, smack. I'm sorry. Can we go back to the way it was? You shouldn't go back to the way it was. Don't do that. Don't have Saul's confession. I believe that God can make all things new. All relationships can heal. But Saul wasn't working to fix the relationship. Just fix his position of power. Uh, Number four. Achan, out out of the Old Testament. Who's Achan, I hear you ask? I had to I had to look it up myself because when it came across you know the old search, Achan like oh yes Achan, oh who was Achan? Achan I call him the uh, doubtful penitent. Uh, out of the book of Joshua, Israel was trying to take the promised land, and there's, sto- there's a story of a couple and I remembered the story once I got it, but I couldn't remember his name. Uh, he was Achan was found to be a thief among the uh, the, the, the the people trying to escape Egypt. And he had to pay the price with his life. And in the confession right before he died, uh, I have sinned was a deathbed kind of confession. I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. And then when it's time to face eternity, I'm sorry. (laughs) Right. Uh, And the tears come. And believe me, the Lord accepts all pleas of mercy. I just think it's sad that it took facing your eternal destination for you to get you know, on the right terms with God. And it happens all the time. The Lord is pleased with repentance. I just wish it would have happened earlier in life. Find the Lord before it's too late. Uh, You know this character, I think, character of Judas, the one disciple who betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. After his crucifixion, Judas went to the elders who had paid him. And he said, I have sinned. I have betrayed innocent blood. And he threw the coins down at at the elder's feet. A repentance of despair. Or at least a remorse of conscience. He did offer this confession right before before he killed himself. Uh, We get this in scripture, a prayer of confession. Um, In his despair, he thought he was a lost cause, eternally doomed for his part in this dreadful tale. But God is merciful. It's a question that I get every now and then. Pastor Mike, do you think Judas is in heaven? I don't know. I'm not in charge of who goes. I don't have that power. All I could do is offer uh, the chance to, 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 to help write that relationship with God. Judas had that prayer. Was that enough? I don't know. Tell you what, if I die before you, I'll come back and tell you the answer. But I do believe there's always hope. I believe there's always hope. Two more to go. Uh, Job. Many of you know the poor soul of Job. The guy loses everything and still praises God. What did he have to, what did he have to confess? The guy was a saint. He did everything he was supposed to be. 
Well, even saints aren't perfect, but they find joy in keeping that relationship strong between themselves and God. They walked the correct path. They strayed but a little and found a loving God guiding them along life's journey. Now, the trick with a saint is not to stand on your own righteousness. See, God, see how good I am? It doesn't work. God, you are God, and here I am, just as I am, without one plea. That's the, that's the confession of a, of a saint. With humility, with earnestness, if Job can find confession, then certainly so could we. And the last one for today. Also out of the New Testament, not a real figure, but a character in a story. It's uh, the tale of the prodigal son, the repentance of a sinner. Job was the saint, and here's the, the repentance of a sinner. The one who purposely found that wayward path. But no matter how crooked that path was, for how many long, for how long, for how many years, uh, how many ways, the path back to God is straight. When the prodigal returned home, the first words he said to his father were, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And the father didn't shut him out. They had the fatted calf. They had that celebration. The lost had been found. The door is always open. That's what I want to tell you today. The door is always open. We have to walk through. The hardest three words to say, I love you. The hardest two words to say, I'm sorry. The hardest word to say, Worcestershire, but I, that's not part of the sermon. So, <laughs> But I love you and I'm sorry. Okay. What's your confession? We always use it in the negative sense. I have a confession to make. But a confession could be positive. A verbal admission of of saying where you stand. When people join the church, you know, we share in a confession of faith, usually done in, in, in the form of questions. I believe in Jesus. I believe in God, the Father. I believe in the Holy Spirit, grace, mercy. If you're a member here or been confirmed elsewhere, you've given your confession. At the first service, uh, there's, a, there's a liturgy. We have a, we have a tradition. If this is your first time here and this is your first service, uh, this this, this, this is the, the lively service with the music and all that. The first service is, is, is a large service, but it's traditional, right? Traditional stuff. And we do an affirmation of faith in there. Uh, big time affirmation of faith. I don't know if it was on the screen or not. But affirmation. And uh, what we're really doing is reaffirming the confession of faith that we made once upon a time. Every Sunday, we go through a, a, a confession of faith. So let me ask you this morning. What do you confess? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in everlasting life? And do you believe that Christ has opened up eternal life to you? Whether you're a sinner or a saint or somewhere in between, God wants that relationship with you. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And that blood of Jesus, that his son, purifies us from all sin. This we confess. And if you didn't like today's sermon, I'm sorry. <laughs> and the family of God said, amen. 
as we come to the offering, a word of thanks to those who participate in the faithful giving to this church. You make ministries happen. You make love happen. You make people getting food happen. You make people getting clothed happen. You make people finding love happen. Let us receive the offertory. Let's stand and sing our closing song, River of Life. This is a song that we did recently as a special piece, and Pastor liked it so much he asked us to do it as a congregational piece, so please join in. Got your shaker ready?
wash it all away. I could see Dolly Parton to that one. That'd be fun. God is good. And all the time. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And until we meet again, may God's love and blessings go with you. Amen. Amen.